The Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. Just lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times if it's time, rise up, rise up, when death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions. Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery, hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas with New Abolitionist and Actress Johanna Nanaya and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is June 15, 2016. We'll go through this week's collection of stories, articles, and events with an abolitionist perspective. If you'd like to share a comment or question, call in and join us at 1-641-715-3660. The access code is 549-032-POUND. Just press star 6 and 1 to queue up from the conference line. A writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Lawrence William Lee, who spent 27 years in prison, more than 20 on death row, for a triple murder. The charges were dismissed a week and a year ago today, on June 8, 2015. Our abolitionist in profile is Margaret Mag Palm, conductor on the Underground Railroad, date of birth and death unknown. Expect all of that and more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. What's happening, Brother Scotty? Hanging in there, Brother Max. Is uh, Johanna with us today? Uh, I don't see him on the board right now. <laughs> Johanna, if you Man, on the board, hit star six and one because I wouldn't recognize your number. He usually calls in through the flash phone, so no, I don't see him. Had an exciting week, man. <laughs> I read. Me out. I'm so burned out, it ain't funny. Got to give away my daughter for her wedding. That was pretty awesome. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks, man. That's like every father's dream. That's what you want. It to ain't see, never you know. been my dream. <laughs> the dream ain't see, to see your, your daughters happily married to someone they love, bringing the family together, all of that? No, nah, I never thought about it like that. You know what I'm saying? Not. Like, I mean, I know it's part of life and what have you, but it was not you know something I look forward to or anything I I don't know man I, I just like you know it, where you just think of your girls as innocence you know what I'm saying even after they have you know children get your grandchildren and whatnot but I never really thought about it like that Max I understand. My I understand. daughter well, eloped. Me, One of my daughters eloped you know so I ain't even find out about it till you know the day after 
Oh, that sucks, Scotty. <laughs> that sucks, man. I mean, it's good for them, but it sucks because, you know, that was the opportunity that you had to hand your daughter to the man she loves. Well, what if you don't like the dude? Well, it's not our job to pick him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing it's says our, we got to like him either. For them when they need us. Yeah, nothing says we got to like him either. Right, right, right. I, I can, you know... I, there's a few boyfriends I would have never pointed at and said, "Yeah, that one. Go ahead with that one." And, and she's been she's since uh, been divorced, so I guess I was right. You know, while I was some exciting things happened at the uh, ceremony itself. About an hour before I was uh, they got married, I was sitting in the car, and I got a phone call in from uh, Brother Keith Brown L with Missouri uh, Missouri Cure. And he asked me if I would be their keynote speaker in September in Kansas City for a human rights conference. Of course, I said yes. That's but they good. want to hear abolition, and they want to hear it at their human rights converse, uh, convention. And, uh, That's great news. Have I'm this keynote speaker. That's great, man. That's great. Dude, it's, it's great if I get the people to listen, and I, I think I can do that. Uh, most of the workshops or meetings or gatherings that we have, I usually have a 100% track record of convincing people that they are abolitionists already. But, so I mean, it's also... Throwing them in the right direction. I mean, but it's also repetition. I mean, you keep speaking to more and more people, the general, the message in general keeps spreading. Those people will go right. talk about what they heard at this. Well, you know, when they ask you, oh, you went to this conference or you went to this event, uh, what, what what did they talk about? It was this dude named Max Partis. He was up there talking about slavery ain't never been abolished and to read the 13th Amendment. So I read the 13th Amendment, and you want to read it? Wow, you know what I'm saying? Who know? As as much as you've been spreading that word, and other people have been spreading that word, and that's the main purpose of this radio program is to spread the word. You know, uh, um, is eventually may lead to critical mass because I just don't see how. I just hope the majority of people aren't pro slavery, and there are more anti slavery people than pro slavery. I hope. You know, but you know, until people um, uh, learn that slavery was never abolished, then you know they're not really taking any position because they, you know, believe something that's false that's been promoted or programmed into them since you know they started school. Well, I've got a lot of background as a communicator, being a spoken word artist, and I know that everything I've ever said is leading up to this point. <laughs> like that's it, right there. I, all that practice was for September with Missouri Cure. That's how I feel about every major event where I speak. Like, this is the culmination. It's going to happen here. I keep my hope alive. <clears throat> oh, and the other thing is, the church that my, my daughter got married at was one of those mega churches, right? It's 90% black. The senior pastor is uh, a white guy. I don't know what his <clears throat> background is, but he's very amicable. And I asked him, how they felt, and were they talking to their congregation about slavery there in the church? This is, like I said, a mega church, you know? <clears throat> and uh, he said, what do you mean? Uh, come to my office and talk to me, and let's sit down and, and talk about this, because I want to hear more. And he, you know, he was very sincere about it. So I sat down with him in his office for about 10 minutes and explained to him what we're doing and what we're uh, putting out there, and he said he's coming to Kansas City to see it, 
and uh, they're going to once once they get more information, he is uh, very willing to start pushing this forward with his congregation. Well, we've often talked about the historical role of the church has played in abolitionists. Now I know, you know, uh, also part of that history is. Uh, Christianity being used to enslave Africans mentally, spiritually, because it'll make it easier to enslave them physically. But at the same time, we can't ignore the huge amount of historical uh, evidence and records that show that for some, the uh, the um, impact was different. And the black church has played a role in, you know, black liberation. So, um, so, you know, again, uh, it, this man is like many of us since grade school. He was taught the Civil War ended slavery, and he's open to hearing a different perspective. So um, how did that go? Did you talk to him or 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 what? He's going no, the wedding went on that day. So uh, what he wants to do is come to Kansas City uh, to see the presentation that I do there. And he wants me to send him some information prior to that. So I'm likely going to send him the series uh, by Frederick Douglass. I denounced this so-called emancipation as a stupendous fraud. If that doesn't show you what's going on, nothing will. And anybody who hasn't seen it should see it. It's called I Denounce This So-Called Emancipation as a Stupendous Fraud. And you can find the whole series on YouTube. It's only nine parts long and they range from five minutes to 15 minutes so it's not some long drawn out thing go and check it out it really will enlighten you to what's going on so i'm going to send that to him and uh then we'll work out a schedule for me to come out and speak to the well you got to send him a copy of the 13th amendment too because i don't know if douglas mentions the 13th amendment the emancipation proclamation was a executive order um, that was put in force during wartime, and it did not, as he pointed out, you know, uh, instrument of freedom, as Douglas pointed out, it was a stupendous fraud. Uh, but the 13th Amendment is the legal linchpin that we're still dealing with today in, in that new form of slavery that they uh, yeah. developed. Yes, that, that is included in the video series. Uh, although it's D Frederick Douglass's words about the emancipation from 1888 in Washington, D.C. on the anniversary of the emancipation, uh, we included modern-day clips to show the correlation between what he was talking about would happen then and had occurred to what is happening right now. So you can see how he just looked across time to show us where we're at today and how gotcha. we got there. Got gotcha. you. Indeed, man. What's been going on with you this week, brother? I see you've been real busy with the information. This whole election thing, and especially now with the killings, mass killing in Orlando, Florida, uh, you've been on, on the ball with it, giving people the proper information. Well, most of that just came out today. Um, yesterday, well, I would say in the past 24 hours, man, uh, I, I've been trying to sweat out some virus I picked up, man. You know, it's been ex um, extremely hot here in North Carolina, and, um, you know, you run the A.C. in the house, and then, you know, you go in, you go out the house. For some reason, man, I was watching, like, uh, some of the NBA finals, and I just had felt a chill go through my body, man. It had me, like, shaking, shivering like I was in the Antarctic or something. And next thing you know, I start running a slight temperature, and and so I took some amoxicillin, man, and knocked it out by the by today. So uh, I just been trying to replenish myself with fluids. So that's what my 
my week has been like thus far. I do believe I did a program on on Monday, but yeah, today uh, I was feeling better. This morning I've been, you know, just putting out information as some of the facts related to various things are coming out. There's a couple of bombshells that came out of that Orlando story uh, that I found out a couple of days ago, and uh, I'm not surprised, but it's it, it is a bombshell, mind blowing. The guy who did the killing apparently. His father is a CIA asset, as he reported on uh, just recently. But also, he himself was working for G4S. And you know G4S, they are the people, the largest private employer on the entire continent of Africa, and they're a prison company, a private prison company. And also, I read Uh, today that they operate the Israeli prisons, too. Yes, the Israeli prisons as well, um, and provide security. They have a standing army of 8,000 men, mercenaries, that they hire out. And they're a branch of the GEO Group. And the GEO Group is stationed right in uh, Florida, so is G4S, both of their main offices right there in Florida. You sure about that? In addition to that, I thought thought G4S was based in the U.K., but they have a main office in Florida, okay. right along with the G. All right, so they, yeah, I, yeah, but they was born in, in in the UK, and so they got. Well, of course, they got to be here to lobby for the. You know, they don't want to keep. Mm-hmm. Like, they got some people here, probably Americans working for them. That lobby, you know, for these uh, prison law. I mean, excuse me for these harsh laws and and what have you. In prison well, contract. as you know, the Geo Group comes from Wackenhut, and Wackenhut is the company, the prison company that was launched back in 1994 in tandem with the Clinton crime bill. Right, right. And then they also shifted a billion uh, dollars in taxpayer money uh, towards private prison contracts, and um, while simultaneously uh, taking away almost the exact amount away from the social safety program, like food stamps and, you know, Hillary out there attacking single mothers, talking about they lazy, and I mean, just I'm, I'm, man, people have short short memories, but I mean what do, you, what do you think they were setting up? They were setting up for the largest increase in the enslavement of human beings on this continent. Oh yeah, when someone like Hillary Clinton says, and she did say, this is a very well-thought-out crime bill. She was right. She sat down with some of the leaders in business and politics and uh, worked this out. They knew what was going to happen when they started it, and they knew where it was going to end up. There was no surprises here, but they looked at it as collateral damage, and they convinced the uh, U.S. public that uh, it was something that they wanted, <laughs> that, that it was acceptable to them. I mean, Little did the public have any clue what would be going on for the next uh, dozen years or more. But collateral damage refers to unintentional casualties. They, to- they fully intended for the number of people to get arrested, as many as possible. You know, they intended. I've heard them talk about unintended consequences. Y'all fully knew the consequences of this bill. You planned for it. Well thought out. You know, again, first it was the crime bill, and then right after that it was the uh, Welfare Reform Act. I mean, you know, they probably, that legislation was probably written up before they even took office. Between 1994 and 1998, Wackenhut Corrections Corporations, from their initial public offering in 94 to 98, their stock multiplied 10 times in value. 
and more than 80% of it was all government contracts, right from the Clinton administration who was feeding it to them. So the birth of what we see now is G4S and the GEO group directly are, uh, come from the Clinton crime bill. Um, and there was one other thing about the Florida incident that I found unnerving, and I'm surprised not many people just pointed it out and said, hey, what the hell, is the first two images that we saw of the killer <clears throat> was him wearing two New York Police Department T-shirts. The first was a common one with the big NYPD across the front, and you could see him taking a picture of himself so the NYPD is in reverse. And the second one is the one with the small badge on the chest, which people don't you know, normally wear or, or just buy randomly. That's something often, if you're in law enforcement, you would get that, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so that struck, struck me as extremely um, unusual. And when they're talking about how this guy was inspired by ISIS and the presidential candidates come out and talking about it, I'm looking at that New York Police Department shirt and thinking to myself, no, bro, that's what inspires him right there. He's not wearing an I Kill America hat. He's wearing an NYPD T-shirt. Yeah, so... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on around here, and I really think it has very little to do with the gay community. As a matter of fact, this man, from what I hear, has been frequenting this gay club for three years. <laughs> so yeah, the mainstream media and uh, Donald Trump is wrong. It's ain't got he didn't cite Islamic terrorism. So what? He pledged allegiance to ISIS. He did that for dramatic effect. He wasn't in contact with no ISIS recruiter or anything like that. Um, um. It was, had nothing to do with homophobia. They would have, as you mentioned, he been going to this club and other clubs. for, But this particular club, for over three years, there was never any uh, reports, uh, police calls involving him assaulting anybody or causing a disturbance. Or, you know, I heard that he even had it, was on a gay app or whatnot. So, you know, it had nothing to do with homophobia, man. The nine one them I'm waiting on them to release the nine one one call. One of the witnesses who or several of the witnesses who heard this dude talking in the bathroom on the nine one one call said he cited the bombings in Afghanistan as his sole reason for attacking that club. But the politicians are using it for their own agenda now. Trump and Clinton talking about more bombing of ISIS. When where is ISIS? In Syria, Iraq and Libya, uh, all places where the United States and its NATO allies went in and overthrew the government that was a secular, stable government and overthrew these governments and now, you know, ISIS is, is controlling huge territory in these regions. So, you know, uh, people, we just need to wake up, but I would... Um, I will be demanding uh, that the media, and I'm, they probably have, but then again, I don't know, uh, put in the Freedom of Information Act request for that 911 call because I haven't heard it yet, and I've been searching for it. Well, but it gives the reasons. What? He solely cites Afghan, the bombing of Afghanistan. I don't know what all these connections are to this man, with the G4S company, the GEO Group, right there in the headquarters in They were just Florida, living the American the dream. Shooting, the NYPD. But I do remember something that may be of relevance to bring it all together. We reported here last year, New Abolitionist Radio, on the New York Police Department Officer of the Year, who was busted 
in Florida trafficking cocaine back and forth. Remember that one, Scotty? Yeah, I think so. There's been so many. Well, that was the NYPD Officer of the Year that was out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A number of officers of the year. A number of officers of the year get in trouble. The the cop that was in St. Louis that said, wait till I turn off the camera and so y'all can continue to then beat this man. She was an officer of the year. So well, this I, was yeah. in Florida. That's why I thought that it was relevant to show a connection there and why this guy might be wearing an NYPD shirt. Maybe he was in working with them. I mean, it sounds very conspiratorial, but again, it's just facts that we found out that we've yet to put together. I'm sure we'll, figure, uh, we'll work it out over time. Um, in the meantime, it's about time to get on to our first story, I guess. Is Johanna in yet, by any chance? Yes, I am. Peace to the abolitionists. <laughs> Peace and welcome home, brother. <laughs> right on. I'm here. I heard a little bit of the. Uh, I heard a little bit of the intro and what you all were just talking about with that. So yeah, we. Sound like y'all chopped it up. We can move on in if you're ready. Oh, uh, we do got a yeah, caller. Yeah. You want to take this caller first? Yeah, let's take a caller and get it uh, get that out of the way before we go into this first story. Uh, the first story, by the way, Scotty, you might want to cue it up. Is the new police technology is the main uh, header in our planning stage? Got it. And I want to play that video for people to hear when we get a chance. All right, please welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Hey, how y'all doing, fellas? This uh, it's seeing from from South Florida. How y'all doing this evening? Uh, you at Ground Zero? What's happening, brother? Welcome back. <laughs> ground Zero for everything, man. I'm I'm doing all right. Um, I really want to interrupt y'all. I, I just wanted to keep listening and um, you know, chime in when when y'all was ready for commentary. But you know, it's it's a lot of things going on um on the base level with the Orlando thing. A lot of a lot of things being put out there, but you know, as as you guys probably know as well. More information comes out, you know, the, the puzzle gets put together. Uh, even better, you see more of the puzzle. And I don't know, is this all? Is this all looking like uh, somebody that worked for the government, got tired of the government, and wanted to go do something about being tired of the government? So I don't know. I'm just I'm listening. And I'm putting stuff together. But as I said, I, I want to listen. Huh? There's something special I think about this generation and our use of technology. Uh, the average citizen has never really had this type of opportunity to, to investigate their government and their government's employees in the way that we do. This is really something new, and we've turned it into a science. And I don't mean here specifically, but just in general, we've turned it into a science now. True, true. But, you know, I think that's because of our generation, as you said. You know, our generation is like, uh, I don't know, it's weird. We're we coming up out of you know, our parents from the 50s and 60s and stuff like that and brought up on those old old guidelines, so to speak, and then a strong influx of technology with all the way from Atari and Nintendo to now with the cell phones and things. So it's like our generation is real. I think that's why you have such a, a, continent, a conscious uh, movement going on with my generation because, you know, it's, it's a... It's a, it's a crazy crux that, that that goes on with that so a lot of us waking up but um i like the way you say my generation like you take responsibility for it I oh yeah oh yeah same way. oh yeah no, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off on, 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 on Mac, but yes i definitely take 
ownership of my generation. I love my generation. We are the the uh the Tupac, the Soldier Slim, the you know, uh the remnants of uh of um, Martin's not dream but his 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 theory and what he wanted to do, Malcolm's uh uh, uh wait wait to me, my generation is the kind of the culmination of that, you know, coming up out of that, you know what I mean? So I love I love my generation, and I really think my generation is going to be the one to flip everything on its head, like the reset button, like, okay, we can talk or not. We can, we can fight or not, but we're willing to do everything, everything, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to knock this out. The conscious community is like, that's it, that's it, we're, it's, you know, we trying to abolish, and that, that I don't want. Like I said, I don't want to disturb the show, but I got a bone to pick with Scotty because I was, um, I, as much as I'm researching, I'm, I'm, st- I just feel like the hate for us comes from, they just hate us on a genetic level, and I think that even after we abolish slavery, it's that uh, deep-seated genetic hate is still going to be there, and I, I think it, it comes before slavery, but. I mean, no, hate no, people my, have hated that, each other since man. Well, let me respond to what, what he said. Look, man been hating man for various reasons since the dawn of mankind. You don't belong in my tribe. I'm a war with your tribe. You know, it, regardless of what you look like, that's been going on for for since the dawn of mankind. Um, I never said that abolishing slavery was going to stop. Uh, uh, racism, um, but it will uh, it will stop institutional racism. I don't give a damn about a cracker up the street hating me all the hell he wanna hate me. But what I am concerned about does this man have the power to enslave me? And collectively, they are enslaving us insta- through through law through law. So I'm not saying that if we get rid of slavery that we gonna eliminate the hatred that people have in their heart for various people and primarily us because of our melanated skin. I, I don't give a damn whether they like me or not. Just stop enslaving <laughs> people. That's how I feel about it. That's what I'm, you know, about ending slavery. Dr. Joy DeGry came out with a book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome and a theory saying that basically this learned thing that we passed down for years and years and years. But the reverse of that is true, too. The same type of hate can happen and be passed down generationally. True, true. And as well as uh, when she was speaking about epigenics, you know, that thing is real, man. Epigenics is real. And, you know, to me, I, I know it's a, a kind of studied science, but I think there's a lot more to come out of it. I think it's, it's, it's uh, uh, repercussions that have, have come from that that we haven't even, we might experience, but yet we haven't been able to articulate yet, just yet, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's very, um, got to be spiritual and uh, understand, of course, you guys know that, but it's, it's very weird. Uh, feeling what's going on right now. If if you in this country spot, it's it's it's, it's weird. But like I said, so I want I want to hear this show. I'm I'm very 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 interested in hearing this show. So I'm going ahead and say goodbye, Scotty Bone Unpick, and uh, I'm mute. Well, it was just that. a misunderstanding. That's Thank all. Comments, brother. That's all. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we got another caller. Uh, we got about uh two minutes till break. How about we just take an early break and then come to our caller. 
Uh, sounds good. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio with Max Parker, Scotty Reed, and Johanna Nalaya. We'll be right back after these brief messages from our sponsors. The Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. You are tuned in to Black Talk Radio, the new black media for the new millennium. Scotty, peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Welcome, caller, to uh, New Abolitionist Radio. Please state your name. Hey, hey just right quick, Max. Max, sorry to interrupt Red. you. And caller, caller, hold up, hold up for a second. I'm sorry, Johanan. Man, we getting a whole lot of feedback on your line. That's why I had to keep muting it, man. So, uh, yeah. either mute yourself when you're not talking. Uh, but yeah, it's it's real bad. Sorry about that. All right, go ahead, caller. How you doing, Scotty? I'm okay. How are you? I just wanted to touch on, you know, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, you know, people can hate me or not, but I don't give a damn about all them faggots got killed. That's good. Less sick peoples we got to worry about around our children. And another thing. Uh, hold, hold up, dude. Hold up, dude, man. We re- I respect human life. We're trying to fight against slavery. If your, your first comments is, I don't give a damn about who died, then we're not on the same page. I said the faggots, brother. The faggots. I don't care about the homosexuals dying. They sick. I don't need them around my children. And another thing, that's the U.S. government doing that. They trying to, it's gun control. All callers listening, if you can, go get you a gun. Protect yourself or you won't be a target. And another thing, why is there no uproar about the alligator with the little boy? Like the gorilla situation. We need to make a petition against uh, uh, that, that that little boy uh, parents, right? Um, no, I don't. Uh-huh. I, I'm not going. I wouldn't put my energies towards no petition to target a grieving family just because racist crackers did it to black people. I don't do evil for evil. I don't see how that's constructive or that's going to improve our position on the battlefield against racism and white supremacists. Okay. Yeah, that was it, though. All right. Thank you for sharing. Hey, Scotty, um, let, me let me give clear. an intro to this clip that's coming out, man. And yeah, let me clear. Let me we'll, clear. We'll talk the, a little bit about that. Let me clear. Uh, first of all, it's. can you hear me? Yeah, let me clear the caller's queue first, Max. All right. Q&A queue is cleared. All right, give me just a second. Uh, yeah, Max is unmuted. And where is Johanan? Johanan, did you have anything to say, bro? Max, you don't have to get put yourself in the queue. Leave yourself out. Q and A queue is cleared. All right, Max, go ahead. All right. Um, 
I just want to repeat, though, as well, that uh, I don't promote going out and killing anybody for any reason. We are all humans and flawed humans, and not everything is somebody's fault, you know. I just, I just can't get with that type of logic, go out and kill people, because it was a time when they wanted to kill us and everybody. Er, everybody and also in that, that club. All. Everybody in that um, club also wasn't gay either. It was put out there as a gay club, and it was known to have a gay clientele, but, um, you know, uh, you do have heterosexual people who also go to those clubs because some of those people are they friends and they just going for a night out. Doesn't mean they're also homosexual. Indeed. Not, well, not, not that I advocate um, the genocide against anyone. You know, I don't have to agree with somebody else's doing. You know, that's them. They're... There, you know, uh, my rights end where theirs begin, okay? And so I'm not, you know, I, I just don't get caught up in, in all that. As long as they're not oppressing me and mines, then they good to go. What they do in their household, what they do wherever they frequent, that's, that's on them. I am not their creator, and I'm not their judge, and I'm not their jury, and I'm damn sure not their executioner. That's all right. I got some Sometimes we've got no control over things. Like, we recently... Uh, was hearing about stories where there was chemicals in the water, I forget which city it was, which literally would cause you to have an imbalance in your hormonal, hormonal uh, uh, doctor so become effeminate or, or uh, masculine. Yes, uh, Dr. Tyrone Will, well, what is his name? Doctor, I interviewed him, Dr. Tyrone, I can't think of his last name, it might come to me later, but um, he did a, a study on the pesticide, round, was it Roundup? Or something like that, and it it causes you know those sort of problems and ch- set, changing males into females and stuff like that. And then you know some people are born with um um you know hermaphrodites. You know, look up what a hermaphrodite is. That person ain't got no control over how they was born with both sexes or elements of both right. sections, and then they be confused about it. And then like you mentioned, you know there are uh, uh pollutants in the environment. That causes that. So I'm not gonna judge. It's not me. I can't look at a person who's gay and and determine how why they live that way or the, why do they believe they the way that they are. I don't know. There's too many factors. And so again, I ain't they creator. I ain't all knowing. I ain't all seeing. I ain't they judge. I ain't they executioner. That's how I feel about it. It don't matter how I personally feel about homosexuality, but you know, uh, I definitely ain't gonna kill nobody. I'm, let me right. uh, can you hear me yes yes yeah i just want to add one thing um and again you know I, I feel like i need to speak up because i have been quiet and we did kind of had that that little bit of a i don't want to say like a hiccup but just kind of a moment there in the program and just for anybody that you know is listening to my voice you know i definitely go along with what y'all saying as well i mean i'm not here to advocate for no mass murders or no kind of crazy you know and plus as you all were discussing in the in the intro, you know, not to try to sound conspiratorial, but there's just so many factors in these kind of events that points to, if not false flag type operations, there's something more going on than just these, you know, random people just getting off with all these kills or whatever. But that's a whole other type of show. I just wanted to say, I mean, I don't advocate for that type of thing, and I don't advocate for, you know, name calling and berating people based on lifestyle choices any more than I would, you know, uh, allow for somebody to call themselves, you know, berating me or calling me out my name based on my black skin. 
you know, I don't, I don't get down with that. You know, we could talk about the uh, in, institutional racism and talk about the systems that are in place. See, I don't have a problem with white people or, you know, anybody else or whatever. I have a problem with systems that are focused on oppressing me and poor people and mentally ill people and underrepresented people. Yeah, I got a problem with that. Um, as far as what went on down there, yeah, that's crazy. If there is any kind of a, a tone that maybe somehow can relate to, I don't want to say modern day slavery, but definitely, you know, like the oppression of, of people of color, of black folks. I mean, I did find it interesting that, you know, they came up with nearly $4 million on a GoFundMe campaign for the victims' families at the club uh, just, you know, within a couple of days. And here it is, you know, a year and a half or a year later or whatever after uh, uh, the AME church shooting, this nine black folks sitting just as innocently as, as you possibly humanly could be in a Bible study and welcome their killer into the church and sit up there and chill with them. And uh, the, I couldn't find any records of any kind of GoFundMe campaign, but only one uh, campaign of a fundraiser that I did find was like $13,000 raised. So I can hmm. see that the country is is patently racist. I can see that the country could give a damn about black life and could really give a damn about church folks, uh, people just trying to be religious or righteous or, or you know, model themselves after some type of a of a, a standard of, of morality. So, no, I'm not going to get on here and start calling people names, but I think the numbers show pretty clearly that the country itself, you know, is truly behind and supporting. I mean, the president just named the month of June LGBT Appreciation Month. <laughs> I mean, forever. So, the, the country is going in some directions that's not. It, it, didn't he also name it hip hop? I'm not a black music appreciation month as well. I don't know about that part, but I know he signed yeah. a about LGBT wow. appreciation in June. So four million dollars okay. versus fourteen thousand, and that's you know all I got to say about that. All right. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid violence, man. I suspect that we're going to end up at a civil war point. Now I I'll do some violence to end slavery. Now I ain't gonna violence. lie. I will do violence to end slavery. That's justification right there to pick up a weapon and and follow me. You know what I'm now, saying? If he didn't end slavery and went to shooting, I might have been feeling a little bit. I don't know. I might have had to be rethinking everything there. You know, so I, I just want to make that, that clear. Happen. I'm not a passive individual by any means, and, and I know what it took the first time, the so-called Civil War. It took, it took a whole bunch of black men with guns, to to reset slavery and probably because most of them was illiterate or or you know the powers that be just just trick people with their words and trick knowledge yeah, and they put that 13th amendment in there you know what i'm saying and then start passing them laws and locking up black folks and enslaving them again so but if i'm gonna talk about doing some violence towards any group of people that's gonna be enslavers Speaking of the enslavers, let's hit this first uh, story about the new technology that has come out. Now, we've reported here how the Obama administration uh, temporarily stopped asset seizures uh, on a federal level and then reinstated it. And it was kind of confusing that they did that. I mean, why would you stop it and then reinstate it? Now, I think I understand why. With this new technology that has come out, the cops can now, uh, using asset seizure laws, scan your wallet, the cards in your wallet, your bank account, and take it all right there on the spot. So you could be like living in South Carolina like I do and be traveling in Arkansas. And cops in Arkansas can take all the money out of your bank account in South Carolina, 
right there on the spot using asset seizure. And you don't have to be convicted. You don't have to be charged. They just have to suspect or say that they suspected that this is drug or crime-related money and take everything you own. Uh, let's play this video so you can hear it from the news so reports or what's happening. Any cards that are in your pocket or your wallet, cards including your bank cards, any type of gift cards, find out how much money is on there and seize that money unless you can give them some good reason as to why you have it. We'll have more details coming up at 6 o'clock. The Oklahoma Highway Patrol has a new high-tech device it says will help curb drug money laundering and identity theft, but opponents say the device violates constitutional rights and can be abused by law enforcement. News 9's Aaron Brilbeck joins us live with this story. Aaron. Yeah, you may have heard of civil asset forfeiture. That's where police can seize your property in cash without first proving that you committed a crime without a warrant and without arresting you as long as they suspect that property was used in a crime. Now, the Oklahoma Highway Patrol has a device that also allows them to seize money in your bank account or on prepaid cards. It's called an ERAD, Electronic Recovery and Access to Data Machine, and state police began using 16 of them last month. Here's how it works. If a trooper suspects you may have money tied to some type of a crime, the Highway Patrol can scan any cards you have and seize the money. We're going to look for different factors in the way that you're acting. We're going to look for different, uh, if there's a difference in your story, if there's some way that we can prove that you're basically falsifying information to us about your, uh, about your business. Troopers insist this isn't just about seizing cash. And I know that a lot of people are just going to focus on the seizing money. That's a very small thing that's happening right now. The largest part that we have found, the biggest benefit, has been the identity theft. As for any money seized... If you can prove that you have a legitimate reason to have that money, it will be given back to you. And we've done that in the past. Senator Kyle Loveless says that removes due process and the belief that a suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty. He says we've already seen cases here in Oklahoma where police are abusing the system. Here we've seen single mom stuff being taken, a cancer survivor, uh, his drugs taken. We saw the Christian musician band, Christian band being taken. We've seen innocent people stuff taken. We've seen where the money goes and how it's been misspent. Loveless plans to introduce legislation next session that would require a conviction before any assets could be seized. If I were to err on the side of uh, one side versus the other, I would err on the side of the Constitution. And I think that's what we need to do. Now, as for the cost, we did obtain a copy of the contract that the state has uh, signed. It shows that the state is paying ERED $5,000 for the software scanners and then another 7.7% of all the cash the Highway Patrol seizes. We're live in the newsroom. Aaron Goldberg. Did you hear that last part, Scotty? Because they, they just slipped that in there. And that's the most important part of it all. What about the company, the company getting 70%? services will receive 7.7% of all transactions. Well, so it's in their best interest that these police continue to get more and more money. Not only is this a violation of the Fourth Amendment, which says the rights of the people to be secure in a person's houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath of affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That's our right being violated every single day with these asset seizure laws, where you're not even convicted of everything. And now they're streamlining it into a point where they can take everything you own, no matter where you are or where it is, because it's digital, 
and their payment accompanies 7.7% of every transaction. So that company is go, it's in their best interest to get these police to get more. I mean, I, I just, I'm just flabbergasted, man. It's just, you know, uh, Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, um, ancestor said that the limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of uh, their victims. And so, like you mentioned, asset uh, forfeiture and seizure has been going on um, for decades, man. I don't know when the laws were first introduced, but now they've taken, they've taken highway robbery to a whole new level in the 21st century where they can just tag your card. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, you know, I'm going to have to look up the details of this uh, on this technology. I mean, do they have to be in physical possession of the car to then scan it or something to deduct it's funds your, from it? And, from and, what I understand, they have to take your car out of your wallet uh, and scan it with this machinery. So They can't do it through your pocket. So who's giving, I mean, who's giving up their EB, I mean, their debit cards or whatever card, bank cards to them. Oh, I would. They don't, they don't always need your cards. From what the story was saying, they can simply use your identification and using your ID, check your bank accounts. So they're troll. They have to be getting cooperation from the banks as well. And I would also say, you know, the federal government has to somehow be involved in this, man. You you just can't go into people's bank accounts like that. You know what I'm saying? Unless it's like they report it as uh, the bank it reports it like uh, to connected to terrorism or suspected terrorism or suspected uh, drug dealing. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a whole process that they're supposed to go through. But again, again, the laws is only for those they target for enslavement. It's not for everybody. It's two different justice systems, and so you know where are all the so-called patriots uh, uh, pointing out that these cops are tyrants. Man, they the tools of the tyrants, and what have you. It's just, man, I'm just flabbergasted, man. You know, I wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even handle my debit card or nothing like that. But now you're saying they could just, they got your driver's license, they got all the information that they need, right? So, man, that's it. Because the government had access to your social security number, remember? Yeah, that's maintained through the federal government. So, again, there has to be some federal participation or cooperation in this, man. Of course it is, Scotty. That's why I was saying the connection about how first they stopped. That echo is terrible. But first they stopped the asset seizures, and then they began them again, and not... But a couple of months later, here comes this technology, which they had already contracted. So they knew this was going to go into place in advance, and they're taking advantage of it. And guess what happens if you try to fight this? You'll end up in prison, because then they'll start charging you with things, and you ain't got no money now. They took it all, so you ain't going to be able to get no lawyer, even if you had some money. And there's a couple of stories that I put up in association with this particular one. The first one you'll see on New Abolitionist Radio. In 2014, police civil asset forfeitures exceeded the value of all burglaries in 2014. Police were taking more than the freaking crooks in 2014. And now in 2016, this is going to amp up tenfold or more. And the other one is the news that came out of Canada last year we reported on 
when they were doing these asset seizures and the Canadian government was noticing what was happening to their citizenry here in the United States, and they warned their citizens to watch out for U.S. police robbing them. Yeah, I now, remember that. If you that. think they're robbing you then, wait till you come over here now. Johanna, did you have any thoughts on that? Man, I'm just sitting here like y'all are, just shell-shocked. Like, I mean, it's just so blatant. They they really do not give a damn. Uh, the company, anyway, I guess it, it's um, something people can look into for themselves, the, the ERAD group, E-R-A-D, uh, G-R-O-U-P, Inc., out of Richland Hills, Texas. I was just looking up a little information on it myself, just trying to get an idea like what, we, what you all mentioned. Um, you know who are they tied to? Who is backing them? The company is only two years. The company is only two years old. Mm. So I mean, it's got to be some player in this game that is taking advantage of you know the information like that we share every week, and they know what's going on, and they see just an open door, and they jump right on in. So I'll uh I'll follow the, to the listeners. You know, follow the New Abolitionist Radio page. When I find some information on it, I'll post it on the on the page. If not, you know, during the program, if I find anything, you know, that's relevant. But yeah, this is this is exactly what we're talking about every week. This is it in a nutshell. What we're against. I don't understand how people continue to allow the police state to grow and grow and grow in power and in and in just blatant, you know, just disregard for. I mean, this man said in the interview. He said straight up, we're going to be looking for, you know, like your behavior, looking at different factors in your behavior, the highway patrol lieutenant. We're looking to see if there's a difference in your story. How vague is that? What does that mean, a difference in your story? If there's some way we could prove that you're falsifying information to us about your business. This is some of the most vague. Uh, but, uh, this is see, vague. that's when people don't know their rights. You ain't got to answer no questions like that. Those are exactly. personal questions. You ain't got to answer no questions like that. You plead the fifth. We're going to look for different factors in the way that you're acting. We're going to look for if there's a difference in your story. These are not even cogent thoughts. These are not even complete sentences he's speaking in. But this is policy that is going to affect the motorists of the highways that pay taxes to drive on the highway and keep the upkeep of the highway and pay the salaries of the, of the tyrants that's got a boot up their ass. These are not even complete sentences. We're going to look for different factors in the way that you're acting. We're going to look for if there's a difference in your story. If there's some way that we can prove that you're falsifying information to us about your business. That's it. Terrible world we're in right now, man. And we're... We're heralding it. We're telling you what's going on. It's so simple to see what's occurring. It's the complexities of how they do it that can confuse you. But the bottom line is really simple. Slavery and human trafficking. That's what's going on. Speaking of, that ties in directly with the next story that I'd like to get on. And I, Johanna, I know you've got a few stories this week. Uh, I want to get to those too because you've been paying a lot of attention to the corporate side of what's going on, what you just pointed out. And I would like to add to that, I bet you all roads lead to either Geo Group or CCA for this new two-year-old company. But we'll see. Uh, the next story is the latest update in the uh, Christopher Epps case out in Mississippi. As we've been reporting now for a couple years, the entire state was being used, this prison system, by the longest running 
commissioner of prisons in the state's history. Uh, his name was Christopher Epps, and he was working in tandem with a, a, a local businessman slash former lawyer slash former judge slash current head of the Board of Education, Cecil McCrory. And there's new uh, information and evidence coming out. And as I said a while back, this could be all the way up to the governor. We're talking about the entire state's prison system being corrupt. As a matter of fact, Rachel Maddow said, uh, quote unquote, that this is on an epic scale. They were talking about a billion dollars in assets being diverted by these people. So let me read some of this story for you. It came out June 12th from the Clarion Ledger. Thursday was like Groundhog Day in the Christopher Epps prosecution. Everything was on repeat. Lawyers were again arguing in federal court over how to count the damage the former Mississippi Corrections Commissioner did to the state through a bribery scheme with Brandon businessman and former State House member Cecil McCrory. McCrory's lawyer said he's still considering asking U.S. District Judge Henry T. Wingate to allow McCrory to withdraw his guilty plea. And prosecutors said they're still on the cusp of unsealing more indictments in the prosecution. That's pretty much where things left off following the previous hearing in April. Then Wingate decided he didn't have enough information to sentence at under the prosecution's theory that the recommended sentence should be calculated based on the economic loss to the state. Oh, hold on, I gotta pause there. Like, you're gonna punish this guy based on how much money he costs the state and not the, the human collateral. It has nothing to do with it, nothing at all. Okay, how much money to the, uh, the economic loss to the state, and not just on 1.47 million in bribes, both sides agree Epps took. Some of that information has now arrived, but Wingate ruled defense lawyer need more time to review it. Prosecutors had initially suggested that the value of the loss was a staggering $900 million, but it turns out that's the gross value of all the contracts Epps approved for 15 companies in questions. 15 companies in questions. Both sides now agree that they need to seek the net benefit to the companies, which is a measure of something like profit, although exactly what should be included or excluded in expenses remains a matter of dispute. The government lists 15 companies that were a part of the scheme to bribe McCrory and Epps. McCrory's lawyer, Carlos Tanner, says the government should have to prove the companies knew the payment to McCrory were bribes. The whole premise here is that, but for the bribe, Geo, Geo Group, who we've been telling you about, wouldn't have gotten the contract, Tanner told Wingate. It would have to be uh, for work he, McCrory, didn't do. The only way the government theory holds water is if Geo knew there was a bribe here. Now, how are you going to have all of these people working for you and not know they're spending your money as bribes? That's, see, anyway. That opens the doorway to a question that was lurking in the background since the indictment against Epson McCoy was unleashed, unsealed two years ago. Why have the companies or their employees faced? Why haven't the companies or their employees faced criminal charges? The cast of companies alleged to have made payments features some prominent names in the world of private prison contracting. Wingate asked U.S. Attorney Dan uh, Lamarca whether Geo Group, the Florida-based private prison firm that used to run three Mississippi prisons was a target of criminal inquiry. 
before GEO Group Finance Director Tom John Tyrell took the stand. LaMarco said prosecutors have no information at this point that could lead to charges against GEO. A number of the companies have denied knowing the consultants were hired. They hired, uh, let me repeat this, a number of the companies have denied knowing the consultants they hired were kicking back money to Epps or other officials. As far as I'm going to go in this story, uh, it's on New Abolitionist Radio, so you can see the rest. Brothers? I mean, it, it, I don't know. To me, the the worst thing to me is this. Okay. When they kick in the door of a citizen and call themselves, you know, serving a warrant and come in, kick in the door, everybody getting, you know, bagged and tagged, everybody going in, getting booked, we're going to start sorting out the evidence. We, we did an investigation, and we got reason to believe that this is a criminal operation, and everybody that's around it and, and, and involved within it and associated to it and got knowledge of it is coming, and we're getting the evidence, and we're going to start shaking everybody down and start looking for prosecutions to the maximum extent of the law on every citizen. But on this kind of a story, here we are again with criminality that goes all the way to the top of the state, if you know, if not to the state's representatives in, in Congress, for all we know, because we know that these uh, GO and CCA are, are heavy-duty lobbyists in, in Congress on both sides of the aisle. Something like $20 million over the last 20 years they've been given to both sides of the aisle. So we know that they have power to write legislation and to get laws passed in on their behalf. We know that unions like the Con uh, Correctional Vendors Association band together with all of these corporations that, that serve, like the Keefe Group, that is actually owned by the people that own Enterprise Rent-A-Car, that serve the commissary in prisons all around the country. We know that the people like uh, that, that, that uh, handle the video uh, visitation and took out actual physical visitation to put in video screens, Securus that handles the money, the JPay. I mean, all of these vendors of the corrections of the corrections uh, industry, all of them collect their money together, pool it together, and use it to lobby your lawmakers on a local, a state, and federal level, and they write legislation, and they get it passed in their benefits, so they get sentences, uh, they get sentences lengthened, they get sentences made more harsh, they get all kind of different things to get people in more prisons, more of the time, for longer times. We know all of this to be a fact. So the cards are stacked against the citizen, but when it goes into corruption on the other side, these people have had years to cover their tracks, years to bribe and pay off all kind of people to disassociate themselves, to cover up their corporate tracks, and so when the investigation comes to them, oh, well, we couldn't find where they did anything wrong two years later. Man, I call bullshit. Sorry. I, there's no other word. That, that's, that, is, that is wrong. They all should have been busted that day. Everybody with their hands red that day should have had a hand chopped off, and we'll know who you are. When we get around two years later, everybody missing a hand, we know you was there that day. Because what they did was a criminal conspiracy to put more and more people in prison, to create contracts, to, to embolden themselves and create a monopoly for their own money making on the people that they get. So if you already got an incentive to create slavery with the 13th Amendment exception, you already got a financial incentive. And you're going to add to that incentive by creating a corporate incentive by allowing these people to monopolize all the contracts? It's a no win. You cannot win as a citizen in this case.
you know, again with the Geo Group, I, I just want to say this, but that um, this echo is killing me. I just want to say. Can you guys hear me now? <laughs> I feel like the Verizon guy. Can you hear me now? The circumstances that we find ourselves in with this trial reminds me a lot of the RICO charges that were being held against the mafia back in the day. Now, during those periods of times, the money that was involved and the power behind the mafia at the time made them vet everyone to the nth degree. The judges, the prosecutors, the district attorneys, everybody, even the juries had to be sequestered and protected at that time. Well, now we're talking about a case where it's a billion dollars at least. They're still trying to figure out how much more. And that's not counting the human costs. Just the financial costs is upwards of a billion dollars. Do you think the GL Group is not going to do the same thing the mafia would do by judges, by prosecutors, by district attorneys, by lawyers, by uh, but, jurors? But, anything but, that but they Mac. can pay for, they're going to do that. So I don't trust anything that's going to come out of this case just based on what I'm hearing right now from these prosecutors. Because I also remember... And in 2012, the judges went to Mississippi, this very same place, while uh, Christopher Epps was running it and before he got busted and was giving out himself as the president of the uh, correction something or another organization that rates prisons, was giving himself 100% ratings <laughs> and, and bragging about it like somebody else had given it to him. But back in 2012, a judge went to the juvenile detention centers there, particularly Walnut Grove, run by the GEO Group, and called it a cesspool of unconstitutional violations. They said it was one of the worst places in the nation, if not the worst, they had ever seen set up for juveniles. And this was under his uh, jurisdiction at the time. But well, listen, though, Max, like li kids. listen. They were being raped and abused and brutalized and starved and uh, put in the filth with rats and rain and terrible everything. So now here we are in 2016, and these prosecutors act like they can't find a problem. Well, Max, okay, we shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's millions of people right now that are endorsing or playing to vote for a person who is under FBI investigation, uh, accused of doing all kind of crimes, and there is evidence to support support it. And I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. Yes, I am. You got the president endorsing someone who is under criminal investigation. You got all these senators and congressmen endorsing a person who is under criminal investigation for violating numerous U.S. laws. Okay. And, and there's just no denying that because the, the proof is in the pudding and we have the emails and more and more are being leaked that wouldn't be leaked if she didn't violate laws and put their secrets, U.S. Uh, a Inc. secrets at risk. So she violated the law. But like I was saying earlier, there are two sets of justice systems, okay? So, I mean, he, he will be sacrificed as a figurehead. You know what I'm saying? He'll fall on the sword for everybody else. But the big money behind it, the real criminals, you know, well, they're all criminals, but, but the master enslavers, no criminal indictments. This is the same with the banks, man. The banks. Nobody went to jail after they broke the law and 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 uh, caused a uh, 
um, economy to crash in 2008. I mean, they got rewarded with a bailout. So this is the corrupt society that we live in. And we endorse, many of us, millions of us endorse all of this corruption. You know, because we will still, I, I bet you it was people who was hearing about rumors about and knew how this, this state, what was he, a senator or, or whatever that was working with Epps, they, they probably knew, sto- heard stories about how corrupt things were going on in that state, but they still voted for the dude, man. People still endorsed him. He got ringing endorsements, and then, you know, when, when the... When the rubber meets the road, oh, all of a sudden, you know, oh, we're shocked and, and this and that and, and all the BS that, you know, you just talked about. Um, but we all would do for our break. That's all I got all right, to say well, on it. Well, let's take the break and then we'll continue the conversation when we come back. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. And we'll be right back after these messages. Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, we were just talking about the current events in the Christopher Epps case, you know, who was the former longest-running commissioner of the prison system in Mississippi. I would like to read from one of the articles uh, just a couple of things about the juvenile detention facilities in 2012 as they were being reported then on NPR by the same man. Um, and if you've, you're somewhere listening right now and you've heard these things happen before and it's become so commonplace, raise your middle finger in the air. It says, prison staff had sex with incarcerated youth, which investigators called among the worst that we've seen in any facility anywhere in the nation. Then they said, poorly trained guards brutally beat youth and use excessive pepper spray as a first response. Further, the prison showed deliberate indifference to prisoners possessing homemade knives, which were used in gang fights and inmate rapes. So basically, the cops just stood back and watched them do these things. Then they finally said some guards had gang affiliations, a finding confirmed to NPR last year by former inmate Justin Bowling. That's what hap- that was happening in 2012 with the Geo Group and Walnut Correctional Facility, which was for children, run by Christopher Epps. And now we're talking about the whole state being like that. For his profit, him and Cecil McCrory and the Geo Group and CCA and any other private prison and industry, prison industry that were involved in that. These people need to be going to prison. And we don't need to be hearing about no prosecutors talking about they can't get a case. That prosecutor needs to go. He needs to be investigated himself. What people won't do for a billion dollars. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it just the, the the information is there. So, you know, it, we we got enough time to tell the stories and kind of get the basics out here for people to understand what's going on. So those that do actually care can continue to follow. You know, whatever we submit, and then we invite you to be a you know become a part of the Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery and Human Trafficking group on Facebook, following us uh, on New Abolitionist Radio on Facebook as well. You know, uh, just stay a part of what's going on. So if you find out information, you can share as well. But really, at some point, man, it's like, it's almost like it's information overload if you just keep telling the truth about how bad it really is. I mean, there's information going back on Cecil McCrory for years operating within the Mississippi House uh, affecting bills that people were trying to pass to tighten up on the state's contract processes. So if this is not a conspiracy to defraud the state government, I don't know what is. I mean, your job at one point was working to affect legislation at the state level that would have stopped you from doing what you ended up doing. So so if you can you could choose to believe that he just did that on his own or you can see probably more clearly and correctly that he was used as a pawn and a greedy person with his pockets and his hands open taking money from billion dollar corporations that needed somebody on the inside to affect these types of contracts to affect legislation on this level either way it's criminal either way it's not a conspiracy theory it is a conspiracy fact either way it is criminal so I, mean, I just I can't go too much further into just explaining it and putting people to sleep with the truth because it's like it's just it starts to numb you when you realize how out of control it is especially for those types of people that are out there who are who are just completely locked inside a, a, a bubble of cognitive dissonance they just cannot believe what they hear so they surely ain't about to do nothing no way those of us that's out here trying to do something and inform people and people that's on the front lines and activism and working to make change trying to get into those political positions to fight against corrupt people so people that are doing things already know this is going on so we're not helping their spirits too much by tell, reminding them of what they already know those of you that don't know and don't care I mean it, you're going to have to do something eventually because this is affecting you too they're going to continue to cover this up and hide it and eventually uh, they're just going to use one example like Christopher Epps or Cecil McCoy may do 5 or 10 years and then all the other big players will have uh, will do nothing they will get away with it literally including murder just like Merkel did in Pennsylvania when those two judges were convicted and got 28 years for selling children to a private prison by the name of Pennsylvania Child Care run by Merkel Merkel didn't do any time none of their officers none of the people involved at any time they paid a pittance as a fine they made nearly a billion dollars and they think they were charged $80 million in fines for doing so. I would trade in $80 million for a billion any day. So uh, we, we can see how this is going to turn out. It's up to the people to make a difference. And, you know, you were talking about, Scotty, with uh, Clinton go, and her involvement in the situations like this. Well, I just put a video up from SourceFeed where they've discovered that Google is working with the Clinton uh, political campaign to take away all search uh, uh, fines for Clinton crime bill or anything that associates Clinton with the 1994 crime bill 
or any of the mass incarceration going on. You literally can't find it on Google if you search it because they took it out. Now, Clinton is involved right now in a uh, possible indictment by the FBI. That's a criminal act. You are hiding information and it's Google doing it. So this is the way that they manipulate information and make people believe things that are not true. Working with these major media companies and criminal acts that are ending up with people dying or being imprisoned by the millions. Are you sure? Because I just Googled it and it came up, man, a whole bunch of results. Do search. You got to look at the search bar where it fills it out for you. If you, like, uh, according to this video that I just put on New Abolitionist Radio, and I did try it, if you type in uh, Clinton Cry, C-R-I, it should fill out crime bill, right? But it says something else. So if you fight, type in Clinton indicted and just I-N-D-I, it should say indicted. But it says Clinton India. <laughs> Try it at home. See how you got. Uh, yes. See what happens. The search. Yes. The search has been changed. Is that a part of the uh, the same type of thing? Like with the story that was going around about the three black youths and three white youths and the differences in the in the how it like auto auto assumes what you're gonna finish typing or whatever, and then shows you, you know, pictures of like mug shots of black kids or whatever, and then shows you like white kids playing at the pool party or whatever. Is that kind of the same yeah. vein? I don't know if those two are connected. Uh, There's two separate stories and separate sources. Uh, this comes from SourceFeed about Google, and they're very careful not to charge Google with any allegations of criminality, but they're pointing out what the, they're doing, working directly with the Crim, uh, Clinton Foundation and the uh, Clinton pol uh, pol political party in order to take I this mean, information heard, out of the I public. Heard, uh, I heard the guy. The one that my... you talked about is amazing. I saw that and it messed my whole mind up. You can do that at home right now. Just type in uh, three black teens and see what you get. Just type it in and see what you get on an image search. On an image search. The all young... you get is black people being arrested in jails, in prison. And if you do the same thing with three white teens, you get some of the most happy-go-lucky images of family outings and people in, you know, with sweaters tied around their neck and hugging each other. It's it's amazing how media manipulates our minds to believe something. Well, um, on the Clinton uh, Google stuff, I heard the uh, Young Turks. Um, they were talking about it. They didn't describe it in that, but I mean, it's totally possible that you can manipulate a partial search, but that's what they're talking about, a partial search, where yeah. if, if you go to spell out criminal, but you only put in C-R-I, those results. But if you put in what you're exactly looking for, Clinton crime bill, Clinton whatever, it's it, you know, it'd be hard for them to change the algorithms on a system that's been up for so long, it ain't, it ain't that easy to do. Um, but it, it will have to take somebody. They're just leading you in different directions. It, it will take somebody on the inside. Like Listen, it will take somebody on the inside. Um, not necessarily, you know, with the guy who owns Google or the CEO or the board members, they wouldn't have to know about it. All they would have to do is pay somebody that's on the inside to to make a slight change, I guess, to uh, the algorithm um, based just on if somebody put in Hillary Clinton CRI. Because now all that's coming up with stories about Google manipulating the searches. And, and so, you know, um, um, 
Look, they are also Clinton Foundation, not Clinton Foundation, but a Clinton PAC, Super PAC, is paying trolls, paying people to uh, uh, go in comment sections and argue with people uh, who are talking about Hillary Clinton in the negative light and, and all that type of stuff. But, you know, I wouldn't put, I, I would just wait for more information to come out before I accuse Google of rigging some stuff. Well, the video is there for you to see, and they do implicate one man within the Google's top hierarchy who is also a heavy Clinton donor and has been working with the Clintons for years and has direct connections with them as the person that is responsible for making this happen. So they're calling out names in this video. Well, there you have it, man. Um, well, the lesson the learned, don't do partial searches. <laughs> right, that's the lesson of the story. And he said that affects up to seventy-five percent of the searches because a lot of people actually use the partial search. We just type in part of it and then click once you got what you think you're looking for. Right, now, it's kind of pervasive. It's like a spell, like spell check type of effect. Mm-hmm. It's a lot that we spoke about so far here in the first hour plus of this program. For people to dwell on, please. Uh, check us out at New Abolitionist Radio on Facebook so you can go further into these stories and see for yourself. We're not making this stuff up. This is real and it's happening. And it's current news. It's not yesterday's news. This is happening right now in 2016 in the United States of America where we practice slavery and human trafficking through prisons and our justice system. Well, Johanna, I want to give you a chance, man, to uh, share some of your stories with us. Uh, I see you've been real busy keeping track of what's going on on the financial and corporate level. Anything that's of interest that you want to share with the audience in particular today? Well, I mean, it's just always interesting to me to try to look at it like, okay, slavery, you know, say is, is the monster that's, you know, attacking us, but the Godzilla, you know, style monster attacking our, our city. So when you find out how to make it bleed, I remember the line from Predator when they when they first found out it could bleed, and the old boy was like, "If it can bleed, we can kill it." So the money is the lifeblood of this, and the the corporate aspect of this, in my personal opinion, is just as important and is what is going to lead to any kind of action that we can, you know, ultimately get to be taken on the legislative level. We have to figure out how to cut off their money so they can stop paying for the lives the lifestyles of all these politicians that go along with this stuff on every level of the game. We have to cut off their money so they don't represent a good in, a good investment for Wall Street because Wall Street is, is just so image conscious. All it takes is just one thing to make you look kind of bad and they'll run from you like, well, no, we don't want to be close to that. It's an image. I mean, the whole money system is fiat. is is not real. It's not based on anything. So people's faith in the money is key. So in my opinion, looking at the corporate aspect of things is super important because you're going to be able to figure out like how can we cripple these people. And uh recently there's been a lot of uh reports coming out about GO and and CCA and just talking about, you know, how their stocks are being rated. So I won't you know get too much into boring people about that type of stuff, but some of the another But Johanna, they mention, need to hear about that stuff cuz they might be invested in these funds cuz I posted one today on New Abolitionist Radio 
that revealed the names of some companies that and how much they were bought into the geo group it was some geo the latest geo group news i got a, a email alert about it and it named some companies man and that's why i value what you do you looking at it from the financial aspect because you know the capitalism aspect because we know that people like thomas jefferson george washington's and other enslavers of the day looked at slaves as capital capitalism right. this is my human in capital right. so i appreciate the angles that you take oh yeah well that's really the whole key of it all uh is the capitalist aspect of it and one thing that stands out when you're talking about capitalism and we've discussed on this program that basically slavery at this point is like the american export as we've talked about how private prisons from here are going out and setting up bases in other countries uh one story that just came out here in the last few days was a, a private prison company from uh, Great Britain came over here, a company called Serco, S-E-R-C-O, uh, came over here trying to open an immigrant detention center. Um, so that was like a real precedent being set right there. Like we had an actual foreign company come over here, like that's how good of an investment it is in slavery. Can you imagine that? Mm. Like they really came over here and, and put in their bid and competed for an opportunity to open a private prison on U.S. soil. Well, listen to this. What the hell is going on? Listen to this. Geo Group Incorporated rating reiterated by Conaccord uh, Genity. Um, this is an excerpt. Several institutional investors have bought and sold shares of the company. BlackRock Japan Co. LTD boosted its position in the Geo Group by 0.4% in the first quarter. BlackRock Japan Co. LTD now owns 3,907 shares of the real estate investment trust stock valued at 135000 after buying an additional 14 shares in the last quarter. Menta Capital LLC acquired a new position in shares of the GO Group during the first quarter valued at approximately $285,000. M&T Bank Corp., Increased its position in shares of the Geo Group by 5.3% in the first quarter. MNT Bank Corp. now owns 8,496 shares of the quote unquote real estate investment trust stock valued at, <laughs> right. at, at $293,000 after buying an additional 426 shares in their last quarter. Uh, Baker Ellis Asset Management LLC increased its position in shares of the GO Group by 1.1% in the first quarter. Uh, Baker Ellis Asset Management LLC now owns 10,105 shares of the quote unquote real estate investment trust stock valued at $350,000 after buying an additional 110 shares in the last quarter. Finally, Leidenberg Thalman Financial Services Incorporated increased its position in shares of the GO Group by 34.7% in the first quarter. Leidenberg uh, uh, Thalman Financial Services Inc. now owns 13,425 shares of the quote unquote real estate investment trust stock valued at $466,000 after buying an additional. 3,459 shares in the last quarter. 
um, slavery is a business and it's booming. What do these people know that we don't? Could it be that, it, it, uh, uh, you know, with Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, if either one of those gets shoved in into that position, they both support what? Pr- the use of private prisons. That they do, brother. That's what they do. Oh, go ahead, Max. I uh, just made a point that we're pretty consistent here. Uh, we keep showing you the same facts over and over again from different angles and different places that all lead to one conclusion. When it comes to truth, there are no, like, multiple versions. Everybody comes to the same conclusion, the truth. I mean, just think of those shares as bodies. Human bodies, I think their stock is valued at something around $34 per share, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, um, But uh, think of That's the price of a Negro today, according to Geo Group stock. That's the price of a Negro by a slave for $30-something, $34, $32. That's how you got to look at it, man. They want you to call it beds. They's calling it beds. That's how they, you know, make the contracts with the states. You got to have 90% of the beds filled, you know, year round. But really, they're talking about human beings because who sleeps in beds, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, it's real simple. I mean, it's it's not, we're not uh, breaking down, you know, as, as the old adage, it's not rocket science. We're not trying to, you know, give you anything that is difficult for you to to chew, break down, and digest. But the thing is, is you cannot continue to refuse allowing it in because it's the truth whether you want to accept it or not. It's the truth whether you want to believe what we're telling you or not. We we are not capable of creating all of this conspiracy just to entertain you. It's not possible for us to just sit here and make up all of this, to write these stories, to, to find all the, there's no way for us to do it that we're just reporting to you on what is going on right outside your window what is going on right inside the stores you shop at when we tell you about 130 to 140 different Wall Street traded corporations that you buy and sell and trade and, and deal with and goods and services all over America and throughout the world's markets when we tell you about these companies by name and they're traded on Wall Street banks that we name off CEOs that we give you the names and addresses of when we tell you about these people trading their by selling their shares off and then buying them back at lower prices and increasing their wealth we're not making this up this is the world that you live in and this is slavery in the modern day this is what these people this is all they do they don't own ball teams they don't own airlines they don't have trading uh, container ships and, and ship goods around the globe and in the oceans or whatever. They, they sit up here and run plantations. They are running plantations. And as much as we tell you about the disproportionate numbers of black folks, Latinos, Native Americans, poor people, mentally ill people, when we tell you that there's 36 to 40,000 mentally ill people in state facilities around the country, and close to 400,000 mentally ill people inside of prisons, that should wake you up to what's going on. You might not like black people. Maybe you don't care about Mexicans and what happens to Latinos. But are you so jaded that 
people that can't even defend themselves, mentally ill people, they don't even know what's going on. They are being shuffled into plantations. And when they can be forced to labor, they are forced to do labor. When they can't even be forced to do labor, well, then they take state money, tax revenues, to pay for their head in a bed. And your passiveness to it is is active terrorism. That's what it is. It's actively being in, in support of, of police state terrorist measures. To quote Angela Davis, but prisons do not disappear problems, they disappear human beings. And the practice of disappearing vast numbers of people from poor, immigrant, and racially marginalized communities literally has become big business. So well, as Scotty, yeah, Scotty said, I mean, the investment aspect of it, and, you know, yes, it's a huge thing. And, I mean, I don't at all want to downplay it. I mean, sure, we could go... You know, I mean, like just like we used to play the transcripts, play the uh, recordings from the uh, earnings calls. They still broadcast that. We still got the transcripts of every one. They just had uh, the last one, the Q1, uh, 2016 Q1 earnings uh, call was uh, the end of April, 1st of May for GONCCA. And it's more the same. It's more of the same. They are acquiring more properties. Hell, uh, one of them, uh, CCA, just acquired um, a new treatment facility for their aftercare as they talked about last year in their earnings calls, they acquired a new facility for the so-called aftercare, spent about $7 million, didn't take on any kind of debt or any kind of issues or whatever, just bought it free and clear, and they're going to have some, you know, a couple thousand beds to stick folks in because it's not just $2.5 million that are in the sales, it's another 8 to $10 million that are in the probation and parole systems and aftercare and monitoring and supervising programs with the threat of going back to the plantation hanging over their head the entire time. Any one little violation and you going back into the prison. They're expanding their kingdom. They're expanding their empire. So we can't be passive to it. That's why I'm passionate about it. That's why I'm, I get worked up every week I do this. I sit up here and I really do try to bridle my tongue from cussing and fussing and going off and just throwing down the headphones and like, you know, forget, I don't even want to talk about it no more. It's a battle, people. It's a battle every week. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on our break. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio, blacktalkradionetwork.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. To Black Talk Radio, new black media for the new millennium. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, we're at the 9:30 hour. We only got about 30 minutes left in the program. 
there's a couple of stories I do want to get to and a couple of shout-outs I want to make. I do want to make a note of the fact that we have a prison strike, a national prison strike going on on uh, September 9th, 2016. And it's getting a lot of endorsements from the Lawyers Guild of America, the Abolitionist Guild, Lawyers Guild, and even recently, uh, anti-war hero Cindy Steele has also endorsed this July, uh, September 9th prison strike. And we ask that you do the same. And if you know somebody in prison or in, or in juvenile detention centers, please let them know what's going on. Tell them no work, nothing. No sweeping floors, no making hamburgers, no folding beds, no uh, folding sheets, no laundry, no, no working for Verizon in the call center, no working for Whole Foods, no working for anybody starting September 9th. Uh, it's a prison work strike, and it's meant to bring it to its knees. See, they don't fear riots. They fear these prison work strikes because there's over a million people working in prisons right now making commercial goods that are sold on the open market in this slave trade. So shout out to uh, all the organizations that are involved in that and to Cindy, Cindy Sheehan for uh, becoming a supporter and endorsing this particular movement. The one story that I did want to get out was kind of a verification of everything we've been well, telling. Well, can I you know, comment, before you move on, can I comment on that particular story? Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Just want to express my solidarity as well for uh the uh, 21st century enslaved. You know, um, who are going on these white work strikes. And you mentioned, you know, they don't fear the riots. You know, the prison guards will start a riot. They will start beating on people, and then of course the prisoners going to respond. You know, if you beat on them and, and what have you, um. And, and when people are, you know, uh, just expressing their, um, in a nonviolent way, you know, going on a strike. I mean, come on. So I want to express my solidarity, you know, with the prisoners going on strike and saying we're not going to participate in our enslavement, you know. Um, they haven't ran off and can't run off and leave the plantation, but that, you know, back in prior to 1865, that's what the runaway enslaved was actually doing. They were protesting their forced labor and they ran away from it, you know, um, and, and some will even die or kill their children to prevent them from being enslaved. So what these men and women, I don't know if, I haven't heard any reports of the women um, prisons, you know, um, the inmates participating in any such uh, solidarity actions against Slavery has mostly been, you know, prisoners in Texas, um, Latinos as well in Colorado, um, Alabama, Free Alabama Movement. Shout out to the brothers, um, some who are being tortured, you know, and targeted for their leading of the abolitionist movement from on the plantation. So, I mean, like, wow, man, I, I just can't express enough. Because they don't get any kind of media coverage, so every opportunity I can to, you know, mention uh, what's going on, I got to mention, you know, the struggle that's going on against slavery, the, the people who are actually um, being enslaved. Indeed. There's a list I just put on New Abolitionist Radio that came from the organization that is sponsoring it, uh, and in that, they have us prominently listed. Black Talk Radio Network, New Abolitionist Radio, 
are included as the uh, uh, endorsing this movement, and we certainly do. We certainly do. We think this can be a big thing that can make a huge difference if we could just reach out to enough people. And we wanted to extend beyond just the prisons for adults, but the juvenile detention centers and the immigration detention centers, because we know they use the immigrants for labor as well as they were doing in Texas. As a matter of fact, Johanna, would you do me a favor, and would you tell me, or tell the audience rather, what was said uh, by, I forget exactly who said it, but I know you do, when they were questioned about California's use of prisoners, including juveniles, upwards of, I believe, 4,000 of them, used to fight forest fires at $2 a day. When they were told that they needed to stop, wow. what did they say? And who said I mean, it? Uh, Kamala Harris uh, said, right. I think she said herself, who's now running for a Senate uh, seat for from California, um, she said that they wouldn't be able to afford to pay people the uh, the actual rates, you know, of pay for fighting fires. So they had to use slave labor. Billion dollars in losses, they said. It was that, so that uh, is a billion dollars in free labor that just California is stealing. Yeah. Just California, a billion dollars. But let me get this story out of the way, and then we got to get in with our regular segments. You only got 20 minutes left. The story, as I said, kind of validates what we've been saying for years. It comes out of the Atlantic Black Star. I'm glad they're finally paying attention to what we've been saying, and I've addressed them personally. But this says, uh, the title is, Report, Local Jails Now Profiting from Warehousing Prisoners from Overcrowded State Jails, Expanding Slave Labor. Thank you, Atlanta Black Star, for getting your language right. For a while, it would seem like you guys were on the cusp, but you're in the, in the bowl now. Let's go. The U.S. locks up more people than any other country in the world, a nation that represents just under 5% of the world's population, is home to more than 25% of the global prisoner uh, population. America's mass incarceration problem is not such a big problem at all for the correctional facilities that house the convicted. In fact, it's a significant source of, of revenue for state corrections departments across the country and the private corporations they do business with. And a new report by the Prison Policy Initiative suggests local jails have joined in on the money-making scheme. We told you two years ago this was going to happen, and here it is. Some state prisons have become so overpopulated that local jails have made a profitable business out of running up their spaces to them. In Kentucky, more than 45% of the beds intended for temporarily detaining individuals awaiting trial are filled with convicted state and federal prisoners. Over in Arkansas, the rate is 40%. Nationwide, 12% of the local jail population is actually there under contract with state or federal authorities, the report said. The Massachusetts Criminal Justice Think Tank analyzed data from the Bureau of Justice Statistics, Mortality in J Local Jails and State Prison Series, and National Prisoner Statistics Series to calculate the figures. We knew that people incarcerated at the state and federal level were counted in local jail data, and when we parsed some of that out, we realized that this was much a much bigger problem than we had initially thought. Peter Wagner, executive director of the Prison Policy Initiative, told The Intercept. But the biggest offender in the nation was by far Louisiana, where more than three-quarters of the parish jails are full of state prison inmates. Not a big surprise, as the state has been dubbed the world's prison capital. 
back in 2012, the Times-Picayune award-winning expose shed light on how the state earned its dubious title. Apparently, local sheriffs and wardens stand to make a lot of money by keeping the prisoners at maximum capacity and regularly trade, inmate, trade inmates between districts to keep facilities full. This is like they're quoting us verbatim. Some Louisiana wardens spend the better part of the workday making calls to other centers in hope of acquiring leftover inmates. Did you hear how they just described a human being as a leftover inmate? I don't have the time to read the rest of this story. I will, it is posted on New Abolitionist Radio. You need to know this is happening. And we warned you years in advance that because the prisons were getting so much attention that they would shift their resources to other areas. And we pointed out specifically that area would be jails. So yes, there's less federal and state prisoners, but there are far more jails. And the jails are taking in those excessive prisoners that they claim they no longer have. Amen. Brothers, it's the system of slavery and human trafficking. They're going to do what slavers and human traffickers do. They're going to find a way to continue to enslave and traffic human beings. They don't have a backup plan. They don't have... I mean, this is why I say it all the time, and I just need people to think about it in these terms. You cannot reform this. It's not going to work. You cannot reform this. And Like we talked about last week on the program, have you ever, since the first terrorist attack of any kind I think the first one I can remember like you know as I was getting a little bit older was the uh, you know like teenage years getting in my 20s was the uh, US USS Cole you had the little they uh, floated a little dinghy up next to the USS Cole and blew a hole in it it might have killed a few sailors and so that was kind of first time terrorism kind of got on my personal radar as far as like the Arab terrorist threat or whatever and I've never heard from that time until this Orlando club shooting thing I've never heard any time from then till now or anywhere in between I have never heard anybody say we need to try to figure out how to reform terrorism but all I hear them talk about with terrorism of poor people, mentally ill people, homeless people children, immigrants black folks Latinos is reform but this is terrorism of these people. This is terrorism towards people. People are dying in custody in the jails. People are dying in custody in stop, question, and frisk incidents. We all saw Eric Garner get choked, the life choke right out of him. That was a stop, question, and frisk incident that escalated into an extrajudicial murder. We see people getting killed in getting killed in, in stopped and questioning incidents. We know that people are getting killed in custody. Folks that have committed suicide, as the official report says, by blowing their head off with their hands cuffed behind their back, somehow putting a gun to their temple and blowing their own brains out. That has happened several times. We know people are dying in custody in these jails. We've had up to 10 or 12 black women that have died in local jail custody within the first 24 to 48 hours of them being taken in custody. They just turn up, they just dead. We know that the prison system is flooded with deaths. We talked about it all last year, how the state of Florida had something crazy, no, 250 deaths in custody and over 2,500 in the last like 10 years. 
And on these reports, they had to create go ahead and create an inmate mortality website to report on all the deaths in custody. So we know that this is terrorism, but they want to reform it. So I wish people would think about that. Indeed, brother. Well, we only have a short time. Um, don't we have the uh, who's the writer of the Underground Railroad this week? Uh, we, I have it available for us on New Abolitionist Radio page, and I can read it when you're ready. All right, we're ready. Every week here, every week here we uh, do two segments, which one of which is the writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad, where we recognize the people who have been freed and the people who are freeing them from unjust incarcerations in these slave pens. Today's writer of the Underground Railroad is Lawrence William Lee, who spent 27 years in prison, more than 20 of that on death row for a triple murder. The charges were dis dismissed a week and a year ago today on June 8, 2015. On June 8, 2015, Wayne County's Georgia Superior Court granted the prosecutor's motion to dismiss all charges against Larry Lee after he had spent more than 27 years in prison more than 20 on death row for a triple murder during a home robbery. See order of Norfolk prosecute, Wayne County, Georgia, Superior Court, June 8, 2015. In May 2008, the state Superior Court granted Lee a new trial, finding that prosecutors, and this is something that we hear all the time in almost every one of these cases, finding that prosecutors had engaged in a full spectrum of prosecutorial misconduct, accompanied by prejudicial investigative failures by his trial counsel. Um, as described by the Superior Court, Lee was convicted and sentenced to death based upon a weak prosecution case dependent for its success on the believability of two witnesses unfavored in the law and by the public, a jailhouse snitch and a co-conspirator, with absolutely no foresonic evidence to link him to the crime scene the court found that the prosecution affirmatively misrepresented to the defense and the court that it had no exculpatory evidence in its files, while concealing evidence that contradicted this testimony or undermined the credibility of every one of its key witnesses. It also maintained, manipulated the trial proceedings by first denying the death defense access to the physical evidence and then presenting evidence and argument it knew to be false that suggested Lee had been in possession of guns stolen from the victims' homes. The prosecution also concealed evidence that linked two other suspects to the murders and subsequently lost or destroyed 46 latent fingerprints and 15 unknown hairs recovered from the scene that did not match Lee, preventing Lee's post-conviction lawyers from examining this exculpatory physical evidence to identify the actual perpetrators. In February 2015, the Superior Court barred the prosecution from presenting the prior testimony of two now-deceased witnesses, ruling that prosecutorial misconduct had prevented me from adequately cross-examining these witnesses at trial um, and leading to the decision to drop the charges against Lee. And we here at New Abolitionist Radio salute you and welcome to freedom from Lawrence William Lee. Now all he need is reparations. Dude, I bet you none of them prosecutors are getting charged with anything. They ruined that man's life on purpose so they could advance their own careers. And I bet you none of them are being charged with nothing. Twenty years on death row. Wow. 
this is how they get down. This is what they do. This is what they do, and they do it because there's no repercussions. There's no there's no there's no black there's no professional blackballing. You know, you just keep going up the up the ladder. There's there's no bad name a bad name attached to it when you do this kind of thing. Like you shouldn't even be able to get another job if you can't work in the state system as a prosecutor or some kind of cog in that wheel because they caught you doing this type of thing. I mean, how many of these should be allowed on a person's record? How many of these exonerations should a prosecutor be allowed to have on their record before it's considered criminal? Before it's career ending, you get disbarred. Look, man, I mean, okay, you're a surgeon and you just keep losing people on the table. Aren't they going to take your medical uh, practicing credentials from you at some point? Aren't you going to get sued for malpractice and put you out of business? You can't practice medicine if you sit up here call yourself going to do heart surgery and everybody get on your table and come up dead. When you're throwing hundreds and hundreds of people in prison and every year the numbers of exonerees is going up exponentially, folks getting on out, getting on out 20 years, 10 years, 7 years, 40 years, ruin their lives. Shouldn't you at some point become disbarred? I mean, something? Something, something dark side. I mean, if I mean <laughs> right. that's if it was a system based on justice, because that's not logical. You know what I'm saying? That's not even showing any kind of professional standards. Now, don't get me wrong. The laws and the rules and the procedures are written down to deal with these people. They just ain't being dealt with because, you know, the whole system is corrupt. Nobody prosecutes, you know, the people above them. You know, they only prosecuted, I, I don't know how they choose the folks. They, you know, Mike Epps, he was black, black man and what have you. I don't know what kind of paper trail or evidence he, he left. So, you know, but then you got so many others who are allowed to get away with with these crimes. So, I, I go figure, man. Well, indeed, man. It's a terrible thing, but I'm glad that he's free. I'm glad that he's free. But I'll tell you what, Most Scott, certainly. Me to 30 years, you might as well kill me because I'm not going to make it. I'd rather be dead than lose 30 years. I'd rather be dead than spend 20 years in, uh, on death row. I'd rather be dead than spend 27 years in I- isolation and solitary confinement like another brother just did recently. So right. long, this is worse than murder. This right. is living hell. Yeah, I can't. It's, that is that is the ultimate, in my opinion, of anything I can consider as far as, as suffering in this life, in my mind. That's the ultimate, man. I mean, you know, of course you don't want to lose your children or family members, you know, these kind of things. But I'm just saying my own personal hell that I just can't imagine how would I be able to survive that is being locked in damn solitary confinement, an innocent man. 20 some odd years, 30 years, 40 years. Albert Woodfox, man. Albert Woodfox. Exactly. Exactly. Torture beyond human imagining. Well, we we got to keep moving, man. We only got 10 minutes left, and we still got our our, our, our abolitionist info file. And I found a rare one today that uh, there's really not a lot of information on it. And I have a a long list of rare abolitionists who the only thing left is their speeches. This one has a short story. Uh, I think, Johannes, you'll be handling that today with the uh, abolitionist profile? Sure, I can. I got There's it a photo. up here. Okay. There's a photo, and it comes from uh, Black American Our Story. There's a photo that you can see 
uh, today's abolitionist profile, Margaret Mag Palm, where she's holding her arms up in front of her to show how she was being arrested and handcuffed at the time. You'll hear more about the story from Brother Johanna Elia right now. Margaret Mag Palm, a conductor on the Underground Railroad. Mag Palm lived on the outskirts of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania in a shack. To earn a living, she scrubbed floors and beat rugs for wealthy white families. Despite her poverty, she helped fugitive slaves find freedom on the Underground Railroad. In the black community, she was better known as Maggie Bluecoat for the sky blue uniform coat of an officer of the War of 1812 that she wore when she served as a conductor on the Underground Railroad. Mag was so notorious for helping slaves escape that on several occasions, slave owners from Maryland attempted to kidnap her and sell her into slavery to put an end to her practice. David Schick, whose father was Palm's employer, recounted one of these episodes. She lived up Long Lane, back of the old fairgrounds. On this occasion, she was attacked by a group of men who made the attempt to kidnap her and take her south, where they expected to sell her and derive quite a profit. She was a powerful woman, and they would have, from the sale, derived quite a profit. These men succeeded in tying Mag's hands. She was fighting them as best she could with her hands tied. She would attempt to slow them and succeeded in one instance in catching an attacker's thumb in her mouth and bit the thumb off. John Carcine, who was crippled and ran a novelty shop on Baltimore Street, happened along at just the right time, and by using his crutch, he was able to assist Mag in her fight with these kidnappers and drove them off and freed her from their bonds. Palm carried a gun to protect herself and her passengers. When an abductor appeared one day, she went after him, saying if she could have found him, she would have shot him. New Abolitionist Radio salutes the Underground Railroad conductor, Margaret Mag Palm. Salute, sister. Salute. Salute, sister. You know, she had nothing, man. She was living in a shack in Southern Florida, and yet she was freeing people. The same thing you could do today. It doesn't matter what you got. Just matter what you want. Indeed, man. Indeed. Some of these stories sometimes, and I know we're short on time, we got to wrap it up, but some of these stories sometimes, I promise you, I find myself thinking it. I don't want to say it because it sounds so absurd, but, but to know people that had courage and was willing to use it and give their lives for something they believed in and be, a, be able to absorb that energy, to be able to feel that level of reality and accepting that it wasn't going to happen if they didn't do it it almost will make me say I would rather have lived in that time than live now because this fake freedom that we live in and a bunch of cowards is going to sit on their hands and act like they don't see it and watch reality TV and buy material stuff and go get degrees and go chase around and go do all this other stuff they doing except for trying to get people free it, it makes me sick Yeah. They had hope during them years. They had hope that what they was doing could end it. We know what ended up happening, but in them times, people had hope, they had courage, they had integrity, they had physical strength, mental strength, they had faith, and they acted on all of that. What we see now is a horrible misrepresentation of the human spirit in the people that we look at every day around us that could give a damn about millions of people locked away and getting beat, raped, traded like slaves. I mean, just terrorized, ran through. I can't understand. You know what the biggest difference between them and us is, I think? They knew what they were fighting. They knew it. They called it by name. They said, this right. is slavery. 
Here, right. we got a dozen different names we have made up, <clears throat> synonyms and sound like and kind of like, but we can't pucker up our mouths and say this is slavery. For some reason, there's a block. Yep, yep. Well, then we have our closing comments. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. So if, if y'all don't mind, I'll go ahead and kick it off and be out the way. Um, All right. I just wanted to comment on just that very thing. With uh, I saw an article from uh, the the uh, it's called a Brown Political Review, but it's uh, talking about the Brennan uh, Center for Justice, which is one of these think tanks that you know literally directs you know the narrative, the the, the public narrative defines what we're talking about and defines the the parameters of what is reality because they have these think tanks and they establish what is real, and they got this sister on here on the cover of the article and I'll publish it on the page and she looks like a woman that has some some color, some ethnicity in her or what have you, but I'll just read through the article and it's like, this is the problem this lady is an attorney and she's one of the lead people in there her name is Nicole Fortier and she's a counsel in the justice program at the NYU School of Law's Brennan Center for Justice. At the Brennan Center she focuses on issues of mass incarceration criminal justice policy and systematic funding structures uh, she's an, an associate editor, editor that helped publish uh, a paper called Solutions, American Leaders Speak Out on Criminal Justice, which included essays written by Hillary Clinton, Marco Rubio, and even Chris Christie. So they ask her these questions or whatever, and she never calls it what it is. And she does not have answers to give them. And it's just shocking to just see how it's, you know, like, this is the problem, like what you just said. They just will not call it what it is. And when you won't call it what it is, you think you can reform it. When you won't call it what it is, you don't even know how to answer to it. When you don't call it what it is, you don't prosecute people that are practicing it. When you don't call it what it is, you will never stop it. Peace to the abolitionists, man. Peace. Well, I'm going to keep mine um, short. And, I mean, a lot of time goes into researching these stories and just trying to lay them out as plain as possible and make people understand that a very old evil still exists and it's right before your eyes and it took a whole lot of conspiring and manipulation to get you to believe in what I believe is one of the greatest lies ever told to the world and that is the United States of America abolished slavery. Repeal the 13th Amendment. Word. I think I'm going to end with uh, Frederick Douglass's words, where he said, In thinking of America, I sometimes find myself admiring her bright, bright blue sky, her grand old woods, her fertile fields, her beautiful rivers, her mighty lakes, and star-crowned mountains. Um, bear with me. But my rapture is soon checked. My joy is soon turned to mourning when I remember that all is cursed with the infernal actions of slaveholding, robbery, and wrong, when I remember that with the waters of her noblest rivers, the tears of my brethren are born to the ocean, disregarded and forgotten, and that her most fertile fields drink daily of the warm blood of my outraged sisters. I am filled with unutterable loathing. Abolitionist Frederick Douglass. And he knew like we know that abolition is a reason for a revolution so we can finally know some peace. Peace. Just lift your eyes up. 
Let your wise rise up. See the signs of the times. If it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake, break, and fall, if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, rise up. No matter if the prize is high in the skies or deep, deep in perdition, if our leaders are globally despised and always seem to rise through attrition or blatant nepotism, if women and children have to live in impossible conditions, if you have to die due to someone else's damn decisions, rise up. When innocent citizens perish for all our sins' sake, if the future seems bleak and your soul's at stake, rise up.